You're very welcome to this weekend episode of Bible Talk on Lockeray Community Radio. If you're a first-time listener to the show, then we thank you for joining us as we seek to read the Bible together to get to grips with what it means and also to see if it could speak to our world and our lives today. Our aim on Bible Talk is simply to let the Bible do the talking and Jonas and I will simply read over some of the Bible together each week. And then we'll talk about what it means and answer some questions on maybe some of the things that we didn't understand as we read it. This is our third week in Mark's Gospel, which is an eyewitness account of the life and teaching of Jesus, uh, one of the, I suppose, most important historical figures that many feel uh, walk the earth. And so it's important for us to see an eyewitness account of his life. And as we've seen so far, there are quite a few cultural and historical things that we need to get our heads around as things were quite a bit different to the world that we live in now. And as we're going to see today, uh, there are some teachings of Jesus and some uh, rules and regulations and different things that we'll encounter that, that maybe seem a bit strange to us. But once we explain them and walk through them, they'll hopefully be a little bit clearer. Uh, Jesus lived in a country that was steeped in religion, and he teaches here about God and tells people about what God expects of them and how they are meant to live. And what we're going to see is reactions of the people that Jesus speaks to and some of the questions that they indeed had. And not only that, who are the kind of people that followed Jesus and how did they react to him as he taught and ministered? around the place. So what we're going to find out now is uh, we're going to find out from Mark chapter 3 uh, what, what it actually means and why it matters to us today. This week we have a few songs to play and the first one that we're going to listen to is by a songwriter from the States called Andrew Peterson, a very accomplished songwriter and this is a song he wrote uh, with a wonderful choir you'll hear in the background and it's called Is He Worthy? And so we'll be back shortly after this. Do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. creation groaning is. is a new creation coming is. is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst is, is it good that we remind ourselves of this He is. 
Yeah, so Jonas, how are you today? How did you get on this week? Uh, I'm grand today. Uh, it's lovely, nice day. Um, it's it's um, it was okay. It felt felt actually a bit longer than the last few. I find okay. Yeah. This this um, it's um, kind of a lot, lot different from um, last week, as in there's a lot le- lot less quotes. Um, yeah. And I actually quite enjoyed it. There's there's a lot of information in it. Yeah. Well, I think as we said, we're we're starting to kind of move on the big chunks of of conversations and and things happening, and 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 Mark is painting the story in in terms of you know what what Jesus is doing and 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 what it actually means. So, I think if I, if I read chapter three, I think we're going to be looking at the first twelve verses first, and then I, I think you have some questions you can jump in with. Uh, but yeah. I, but I'll read the the passage that we're looking at first. So so if you have a Bible or you're on your app, if you go to Mark chapter three. Uh, We'll begin in verse 1 and go through to verse 12. It says, Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. 
Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idiomia and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. He had healed many so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. Yeah, so Jonas, what jumped out at you there? Uh, there was uh, something we haven't heard these people before. Herod- Herodians? Herodians, yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah, well done. Yeah, it's, I, I, I don't, I've never heard of them before in the, in the entire story so far, have we? Yeah, no, we haven't heard of them so far. Within the gospel accounts, within the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in, in Matthew and Luke that tell of the nativity of, of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, we, we meet one of the Herods. So the Herodians are basically the followers of the Herods. I think if you remember last week, we, we talked about the fact that Rome uh, ruled most of the world at this stage and and what they did was they basically set up encampments in the nations that they'd conquered and and oppressed them and so rome ruled israel at this time but because rome was such a mighty and kind of crazy large empire they didn't actually have enough soldiers to keep everyone in check so what they did was they they normally set up like a ruler as a puppet to kind of rule the, the local area for them and they gave them a bit, a little bit of an army and told them, kind of, like, keep all the people in check. And, and the word Herod is basically the, well, the family name of, of a family who the Romans had set up. And so we, we meet the Herod, Herod the Great, who is the kind of first and seen as the greatest. Uh, we meet him actually in the birth of Jesus. He is the king that the wise men go to. And he is the one that puts all the, the babies under two to death in order to try and wipe out Jesus who is seen as the king of the Jews and so this Herod um, was a bit crazy Uh, he had a bit of a brutal death as well he wasn't a very nice uh, person Uh, and then when he died he had three sons that 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 couldn't agree really on who was going to take over and so they separated Israel out into three main territories and so the Herod that that we're talking about here the Herodians uh, the Herod that the they were the followers of was one of Herod the Great's sons, Herod Antipas. And we're actually going to meet him a couple of times in the story because, you know, where, where Jesus was in Capernaum, um, that was his little ruling area. And so we're going to meet him in a little while, especially with, with regards to John the Baptist that we met in chapter one. Uh, but these guys basically were political followers of, of Herod and uh, and they were seeing Jesus as, as somewhat of a revolutionary who was going to, you know, cause a few issues and so what you have here which is really interesting for the story is you had the pharisees and and the religious leaders who were to be responsible for the religious life of the of the the nation of israel and they had issue with jesus uh, because he was teaching against them in a sense then you have the herodians who are the political leaders and the ruling class and they had an issue with jesus because he was causing issues with crowds and the romans were starting to get on their back and throughout history in this time, the religious people and the Herodians hated each other. They absolutely hated each other. And yet here they have coming together uh, in order to basically stand against Jesus, which, which happens all the way through. You know, the, the kind of enemy of my enemy is my friend. And that's what they see here. So, so they start getting wind of Jesus. They start finding issue with him. The Pharisees go to them and say, look, 
religiously this guy's causing issues socially this guy's causing issues we're going to have to stop him uh, and so that's that's who the Herodians are also they were like trying to find a cause into how to how they were trying to work out on how to stop him or yeah um could you, uh, back then there was kind of laws to protect like obviously Jesus hadn't done anything wrong at the time yes yeah. So yeah. they couldn't just kind of throw them in jail, could they? So well, the, the thing is that that's that's the interesting thing because they try yeah. to because yeah. the the people who decide whether someone has done wrong mm. religiously would be the, the the leaders, the Pharisees that we've learned of. Yeah. Uh, mm. po- politically, would be the Herod, Herodians, and then mm. the the Romans kind of stayed out of it unless you were causing massive issues. <laughs> and yeah. then if you were causing massive issues, then the Romans stepped in. But when the Romans stepped in, uh, which they did throughout history, and again, mm. uh, spoilers, the Romans didn't mess about. They, they arrested someone, they beat them, they flogged them, and they crucified them. Uh, and that mm. was what the Romans did when they got involved because it was the greatest warning to people. If you mess with Rome, you get killed. Now, we're going to find Jesus getting in trouble with the Herodians and the Pharisees and the religious leaders but then finally, you know, obviously Rome gets involved and, and that's when, when Jesus is crucified. So, you know, all of this is kind of building up toward that point. But, mm. but here at the moment, they're just a bit annoyed with him. Uh, however, it goes, as it goes on, they realize that he's, he's going to cause them more issues than they thought initially. Yeah. And something else um, that kind of was just kind of, I was kind of thinking of this is, so in the second part, you say that all the people who were diseased and yeah. um, they all came to him, they all came around him and things yeah. to try to get healed and obvious yeah. reasons. But if the, diseases can be trans, like transmitted through touching, and stuff, yeah. as we are all well aware in this yeah. day and age, kind of, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, would he have actually been able to catch, like, would he have been got diseases or is there any account of this? Or Yeah, that, that's, that's kind of the point that Mark's making here. You see, disease in that day, there, there were incredibly apt scientific advances in that day. We kind of think these guys didn't know what they were doing, but they, they did more than we would probably understand. And so they did realize that certain diseases were were unclean, as they say here. And if you, if you touched someone, then you could transfer it. And so whenever a person was unclean, what sometimes the, the broader public thought was that they must have done something to deserve it. And, and, and that actually stands with us today, you know, in the world that a lot of people think, well, if you're sick, you must have done something. Or, you know, if you got sick, well, I didn't deserve to catch this. But in that day, there was a lot of superstition around it. And yet, what it also meant was that if you were sick, you were completely isolated. So a person who was sick with a contagious disease, say, for instance, leprosy, which is named in the gospel accounts a lot, they were completely ostracized and alienated. They weren't allowed to see their family. They weren't allowed to touch their family. They weren't allowed to go to the temple, like our churches, to kind of worship. They weren't allowed to do anything until they were clean again. And they spent nearly all of their kind of money, life savings, in order to get clean many times, you know, not not actually getting, you know, healed. And so people didn't, treat people who had contagious diseases very well uh, even within their own families and so as i said for, for some of the common and say that they wanted to touch jesus for for most people you know that was a complete no-no and yet what mark is showing us that when an unclean person touches jesus he doesn't become unclean they actually become clean themselves and that's what mark and he shows us it over and over and over again here because it, it actually is a promise of the messiah 
the, the Messiah, the promised one that we've been, you know, looking for throughout Mark's gospel, that Mark's showing us that, that Jesus is, that he would bring healing. Not that he would be a healer in a sense, but healing would be found in him. And so Mark's saying, look, the, these guys touched Jesus, but unlike a, an ordinary person or a doctor, they didn't infect him. Jesus, in fact, infected them with, with cleanliness. And so Mark's showing us that Jesus is not just another healer that would have went around kind of taking away diseases. He's completely cleansing people without medication, without, you know, physiotherapy, without a lot of these things. You know, they're touching him and he has healing power in and of himself. Now, what he's doing here is he's, he's proving who he is. He's ticking the boxes that we said he did. But the, the religious elites don't really care about him healing people. Because if you remember at the start, he did it on the Sabbath. They were wanting to see whether they, he was going to break the rules. And Jesus' point is, well, are the rules in place? Are they God's rules? Because is it not good to actually heal someone, to give someone life and to bring them back into community? Or will I not do this because you think it breaks your rules? And so Jesus kind of pushing the, the kind of envelope with the, the religious leader, saying to them, like, you, you would have me not help this person because you think it would break your rules. And yet, as these people understand who I am, you know, as they touch me, they'll become clean. And so even though he's doing this to prove who he is, the, the religious leaders do not care who he is or even care what he does. All they care about is that, that he is seemingly going up against their religious rules. And, and that's where the issue starts coming in. So kind of it's <clears throat> them, him breaking the rules, kind of blinding them to seeing what he actually is doing in a way. Yeah, and, and again, the, the mm. thing is, and, and that's, that's what Jesus is doing. He's not breaking God's rules. He's breaking the rules that the religious leaders have set up. And, and that's what he's showing them over and over again. Like, you think I'm breaking the rules, but you've actually made these rules up. You know, you, you think you're doing it to protect people, but what you're doing, like, you know, as we said, Jesus didn't come for the, the kind of elites or the wealthy or the educated or the perfect He's actually come for the people that no one loves, no one wants. And he's coming for the poor, for the broken, for the sick. And, and that's where the issue comes for, you know, the, these religious leaders. If you only knew who these people were, you wouldn't let them touch you. And Jesus says, no, this is exactly the kind of people that I've come for. Um, mm. and, and, and that's so important as we see the life of Jesus. Yeah, and, and he proved that last time as well, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. He said, we went over that last time. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to see it over and over again, but it's a good point to keep going back to because it's a good point yeah. to remind ourselves of. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so at the end of that, we'll, we'll go to another song. Uh, we're going to listen to a band called City of Light and their acoustic version of Christ is Mine Forevermore. And so we'll be back in a few moments with the continuation of Mark chapter 3.
tears in times of sorrow, darkness not yet understood. Through the valley I must travel, where I see no earthly good. But mine is peace that flows from heaven, and the strength in times of
Welcome back to Bible Talk um, on Lockwood Community Radio. Um, hope you're enjoying the show so far. Uh, if you haven't already, so um, you can follow us on Facebook. Uh, the Facebook page is Bible Talk Lock Ray, um, where you can follow us to be updated on any news and the show as well. And um, you can also check out Lockwood Community Radio for other great shows. Um, they're live streamed each weekend. And um, if you have any questions on what we're reading through, want to ask us any questions, um, you can contact us through Facebook or Facebook page um, on the website or just on lockyourcommunityradio.com. That, that is the website. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there you go. I think everyone knows now that you've done an incredible job there, there John, <laughs> and letting us all know. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're going we're gonna to continue on with, with Mark chapter three. Uh, I'll just read verses 13 uh, to 21, and then we'll, we'll dig into it a bit. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him and he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the 12, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boadjernes, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. And so what jumped out at you here in this section, Jonas? Um, well, obviously, there's, there's, a, there's a big spoiler in this. Is, um, yeah, is, yeah. Telling us about Judas. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, most, most people definitely know the story. But just, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. But another thing is, um, so like, what was his reasoning behind changing names of the apostles? And um, just, I'm just curious as to why he changes their names. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's a, it's an interesting one because it kind of happens, and we say they're kind of details that some of us kind of take for granted. One of the things, and we we looked at this, I think, on on one of our first shows, what, what names were and why they mattered, especially translating them. And I think that that in some instances, like in this one uh, with James and John, some of them were actually almost like nicknames. Uh, we actually see James and John throughout the the Gospels, and. And they are in the, the inner circle, as I said, with Jesus. Peter, James, and John kind of go into the, the a little kind of huddle with Jesus at times. But they were very rough around the edges. We're going to see them uh, doing and saying things that are a bit strange, a bit kind of brash. And so calling them the Sons of Thunder, um, it sounds like a really cool rock band name. Uh, but but it's kind of like they're, they're ones who are very quick to maybe anger. And, and we'll see some of that through it. So I think some of them were... Were, were nicknames but but in in most cases throughout the bible uh we we find god changing people's names and and you can see that through the old testament a lot uh, and and for the most part it's god saying to them you know then this is your name which means this but but i'm going to change your name to mean something different and it's normally that that a person has maybe been set apart uh for, for something so so in the in the book of genesis at the start we have abram uh, that, that we know, which means father. And then we have Abraham, which his name is changed to, which means father of many or father of nations. And so God is kind of saying to him, like, you know, you, you are a father, but I'm going to make you a father of multitudes. And so God changes his name to, to mean something distinct. And in, in this case, we have um, the name change of Peter, uh, which if you want to go and Google it, has caused a few issues throughout history. 
because all those Cephas, which is is an Aramaic, we talked about the languages form of, of the name Peter. Uh, Peter is the Greek form, and that's why it's translated into English. But there's a bit of a play on words that we're going to see throughout the Gospels that Jesus changes Peter's name to mean something. Uh, the, the word Peter basically means rock or dependable. And, and Jesus changes his name to say, look, you, you may be Cephas, you may be this little pebble, uh, but I'm going to make you Peter, who is the rock, the dependable one. And it sounds very similar to the words that he uses, uh, but but it's because he's going to, to do something significant through Peter. And as I said, if you want to Google it in your own time, there's a rabbit hole that you could spend a few days down <laughs> uh, in, in regard to how people have seen this traditionally. But, but in terms of tradition, and we always said we'd stay away and just see what's written here in the Bible, Jesus changes names, sometimes for nicknames, sometimes for, for a great purpose. And, and we're going to see how that plays out uh, in the passage itself. Yeah, um, that, that, that's kind of what makes sense. I thought he like literally was like just changing, changing the name for, for like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, nicknames would be yeah. I, that's actually not something I thought of either. Yeah, but um, so something else is just in in verse twenty. Yeah, um, it just just literally because it just after following of all the names name changing, um, yeah. it just goes. Then he went home, and I'm like kind yeah. of wondering, scratching my head here, like. Who's, who went home exactly there? Yeah. You have to talk about a lot <laughs> yeah, of people. And, yeah. um, and also, um, he said that, um, yeah, he said, and when his family heard it, and yeah. I'm like, who, who, he, who has a family here? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's very um, vague, if you could yeah. say. I'm just kind of yeah. clarifying this. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that it's, it's one of the things that, that whenever you, we, we talked about language the very first time, but you know, it, it's finding out who the, the he's and the they's and stuff are. It's incredibly important because whenever I'm teaching people how to read the Bible, that's one of the, the lessons that we start with at the start is that who is this referring to, you know, and, and in other languages, you know, German, Spanish, other languages, the kind of person is connected to some of the words. So you know exactly who is doing what. In English, they're separated out. And so it's a bit harder to kind of do the work on. But Mark is jumping around here and and not necessarily just throwing details in, but he's making a point. And he's going to come back to this in, in a few verses time. Uh, basically, this is the he is Jesus. He went back to where he is staying, um, which had been around Capernaum. Uh, we said last week he would have stayed with with people around there. He didn't really own a house himself that we, we understand from from the gospel accounts. But 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 the point about his family is interesting. Families were incredibly important in that day. And and Jesus didn't have a wife or children. So the family he's talking about would be uh, in this. We, we don't know what happened to his father, Joseph, really after his birth. But we would have Mary, his mother. And then we have brothers and sisters that he has. And, and they've seen all the things that have happened. I'm sure they've heard the rumors of, of how the religious elites and the, the Herodians are responding to Jesus. And they basically think Jesus has gone nuts. Uh, he's running around telling people he's a son of God. He's healing people. He's helping people. He's casting out demons. He's teaching in a way that people are getting annoyed with. And, and they basically go to, to put a black bag over his head and take him away in case he gets himself in trouble. And I think that's really interesting. Um, because, you know, you kind of think, well, his family should have been the ones that would have been the closest to him. And yet here, his biological family, Mary and his brothers and sisters, they want to actually keep him quiet because he's, he's possibly going to get it himself in, in a, few, a few issues. 
you kind of think about this practically though imagine if you had a big brother uh, who claimed to be god who was perfect who never did anything wrong who never disobeyed uh, and everything that they did was was amazing imagine how hard that would be to live up to and then all of a sudden he starts preaching and teaching and helping and healing and, and thousands of people are following after him uh, but but the the authorities start getting involved you, you might think like I know you're great here, but if you keep up with this, you're going to end up in prison or worse, uh, dead. And so his his family think he's kind of lost the plot and, and come to pull him away uh, from what he is doing. Now, now, in a few verses time, we're going to see how that plays out in the story. Uh, but now that the family that they're talking to is, is kind of Jesus' mum and, uh, and his brothers and sisters. I did not know that Jesus had brothers and sisters. That, <laughs> yeah. that, is, that, is, that is a first for me. I, I always yeah. thought, because it's so focused yeah. on Jesus all the time. Yeah. I thought, yeah. I, yeah. would you have any idea how many you would have had? Or? I, we, we, don't, we don't know how many you would have had, but we do know we, some of their names. And we okay. do know that, that before Jesus' resurrection, that they didn't actually believe in him as, as God. And so it's not until after that we learn that that some of his brothers he he had a brother called Judas um who we not, we, not the same not the same one yeah i remember <laughs> i told you that a lot of the names are the same yeah it, it's funny and this is an interesting bible fact there's a, the book um it's the the second last book in the bible is called Jude and and many people think that was written by the 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 kind of brother of Jesus uh, who is Judas but because people didn't want to be called Judas you can imagine uh, after Judas Iscariot that they, they changed his name to Jude, uh, you know, so that that would be remarkably different. But he also had a brother called James uh, who, who didn't follow him until after his resurrection. But then James became one of the leaders in the early church. And he also wrote the book of James that's in the New Testament as well. And so we do know some of, of his, his brother's names. It's the same with Peter. And many people believe that Peter wasn't married. Uh, but then in, in one of the gospel accounts, it says that Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. And, and the last time I checked, you don't get a mother-in-law <laughs> unless you're married. And uh, yeah. people can make up their own, uh, their own reactions to that. Uh, but, but there are so many details that we, we skip over and skim over. Uh, but they're, 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 quite, they're quite interesting once you kind of dig into them. There are a lot of people that believe that Jesus didn't have brothers and sisters. But when you read it in black and white, it's, mm. hard, it's hard to kind of disagree with them. Yeah, so we're we're going to listen to another song, and then we'll we'll kind of get back into that, and we're going to see a little bit more of Jesus' family and why Mark brings it in. But we're going to listen to a song now by Dustin Kensrew, and this is an acoustic version again of his song "Grace Alone." So we'll be back in a few moments here on Bible. I was in open lost at the fall. Show you predestined to adopt me. 
Well, welcome back. We're going to be walking through Mark chapter 3, and we're going to be looking in particular at verses 22 to 30. And says, And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he casts out the demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying he has an unclean spirit. So, Jonas, what pops out at you here? Um, a, a new word again. Uh, okay. It's be beezable. Yeah, there we go. Very well. Yes. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of wondering. Um, I have not heard that before. Um, what, yeah. what does it mean, though? Um, well, well, the the word that it's actually referring to, beezable, it it it's actually linked to what Mark is showing us about demons here. Now, this is a weird thing to think about. Uh, but it's actually a part of of life for these people that has kind of drifted a bit into the background for us. We're not really sure exactly of what's going on, but it appears that people are possessed by by demons. Now, the Bible doesn't say how, it just says that they're real. Now, what normally happens in our world is that people go one of two poles, really. They either dismiss it completely and say there's no such thing, or else people are fascinated by it to an extent that they think everyone has a demon and they're running around like they're part of the exorcist. And, and, and it gets a bit strange. The Bible just says, look, this is real. And, and there are still people in, in the world today that would claim that this is real. And, and, and so if the Bible says it's real, then it must be to an extent. But, but we don't actually understand how this happens or how it manifests itself. But Mark is basically saying to us that Jesus comes and, and there are people who are possessed by demons and Jesus heals them in a sense and they're no longer possessed. Now, what, what is happening here and what Mark's trying to show us is that the religious leaders have come and said, you're able to control demons because you're basically a demon yourself. He introduces us to another character in the Bible and that is of... Beelzebul or Satan or the devil and and that that kind of person is is referred to by these different names so the word Beelzebul means lord of the flies if you think about what it refers to well then what they're pointing out is that whenever there's death flies gather and so he's basically the lord of death the lord of the flies uh, Satan is from the word Hasatan, which means the accuser is the one that accuses people and basically stands against people to condemn them. Um, and so all of these different words kind of, of mean different things about the same person, really. And so it's it's God's enemy, the devil, Satan. And that's what Jesus is saying to him, to these these leaders here. They're saying that you have the power to do these good things because you're possessed by the devil. And Jesus said, well, if I'm possessed by the devil, why am I working against the devil? <laughs> if I'm working with the demons, why am I getting rid of demons? And the funniest thing here is, and this is what Mark's bringing in, which is, is a bit of comedy, really, is that whenever the demons talk, they know Jesus as the Son of God. And so the demons understand who Jesus is, and they, in a sense, respect him as such. Whereas the religious leaders 
are cursing Jesus. Now, if you were to kind of paint that in the two pictures to say, if you had a religious leader and a demon, who would be the one that would honor Jesus as he is? Well, you would probably say the religious people. Whereas Mark's kind of saying, look, the demons have got proper theology here. <laughs> They're kind of giving the right answers to the questions. Whereas these religious people who should know better, they're cursing Jesus and saying that he's demonic. And that, that's what Jesus is saying here. Look, if you tell people that God is doing demonic and evil things, well, then you will not be forgiven of that. That, that's, that has point to these religious leaders. You say that you worship God, you honor God, you glorify God, and yet you're basically calling me demonic, um, which is Mark kind of setting up those two elements to say, the world has gone upside down. These demons are telling the truth about Jesus, whereas the religious leaders are kind of uh, going bananas. And, and, and that's the point that Mark's showing. The religious leaders are asking Jesus for evidence of who he is. He's showing them evidence, and yet they're still refusing to believe and to change their minds. And, and it just shows you that, you know, no matter how much evidence that some people are shown, they, they will refuse to accept Jesus and, and, and trust in who he is. Uh, because they have another agenda. And, and that's what Mark is kind of showing with these religious people here. Yeah, that's, that's uh, quite um, just just kind of thinking like, it's, I, I always wonder why he always, it always says pretty much along the same lines as when he casts a demon out, he, permit, he does not permit them to speak. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I, was, I was always thinking, I was like, I mean, yeah, okay, it makes sense. But it, yeah, the, like when you say that they, they don't know exactly who he is and they, they yeah. don't, they actually honor yeah. it. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, because it, it, it says exactly the same every time, doesn't it? Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Well, it, it does, and, and we're going to see. I'm glad you picked that up because Mark has yeah. it. Mark Mark keeps Jesus' identity as Jesus does secret up until halfway through the book, and we're going to learn mm-hmm. about that in chapters eight and nine. That that something happens that all of a sudden Jesus says to people, "I want you to tell people about me now." Up until that point, Jesus says, "Don't tell anyone." He heals mm-hmm. people. Don't tell them that I healed you. You know, he casts out demons don't tell people that it was me. And you're kind of thinking, that's really random. He's not mm. a very good marketer, Jesus. <laughs> so, <laughs> but as we talked about before, what, what he, do, he wants to be known as who he is, not mm. what he does for people. And again, that, that is going to be the key because as soon as he starts revealing to people explicitly who he is, then he, he tells them, look, don't tell people who you think I am tell people who I say I am myself. And, and that is a big change in the, in the gospel of Mark, uh, as we'll see a bit later on. But yeah, the, the, I always thought that was a strange thing as well. But it, it's very common in this, the start of Mark's gospel. And something else. Uh, yeah, sorry. Right. Uh, just um, just cut, cut and kind of thing. Uh, parables. I've no idea what this is. I was going to ask you, you, you know what parables are to explain? Yeah, we're, we're, going to get, we're going to get into parables in a little bit. Parables are basically stories uh, that Jesus tells in order to uncover the meaning of something. Now, parables get a really strange rap uh, because people think Jesus tells parables to make things clearer. So he tells a little story in order to help people understand stuff. Whenever we read parables in the Bible, the opposite is true. When Jesus tells a parable, people seem to get more confused. Now, that's that's a, a really interesting point, but we'll, one that we'll see because the religious leaders always look for hidden meanings. They look for hidden words. And Jesus tells people these stories. And what happens is the non-religious people get the story immediately, but the religious leaders are confused. And, and we're going to see this play out. Like Jesus tells these stories that 
that once we understand them, like not normally we kind of we know these off by heart. So the parables like the prodigal son or the good Samaritan, everyone has heard of these. And and once we realize what they are, we we realize the the point that Jesus is making. But the religious leaders just don't have a clue what he's talking about uh, because they are so blinded to their own rules and regulations. So no, that's a, that's a good thing that will come up again and again. But uh, it's important. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so we're gonna we're gonna listen to another song now before our final part and it's it's by a band in the states called sovereign grace and this is their song all praise to him Yeah, welcome back. Uh, we're walking through Mark chapter 3, Jonas and I today, and we're now going to be in the last section from verses 31 to 35. 
And they say, and his mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Okay, Jonas, we looked a a little bit at the last time about the the family element here and here Jesus is is directly teaching on it. So uh, I hope you've held all your questions back until now. (laughs) Yeah, um, there's there's a lot of it um there's a lot of um confusion <laughs> to me um okay now now having learned that he actually did have um brothers and sisters and then yeah. he, it's just so there's mothers and brothers outside yeah and then there's mothers and brothers and sisters inside yeah. so <laughs> yeah. which one would be his actual family and what how does he refer to them in the sense to the other people that are there yeah I, I, I love your questions because they use, they use all the right words that people should use. I think it, it, whenever people know a bit about the Bible, um, and this is why, you know, whenever we talk at the first that you haven't really read the Bible before. And so you're just really reading what you see. I think that's what I love about this because, you know, so many people come with so much tradition or knowledge or whatever, and, and, and it dictates things. Whereas, as I said to you at the very beginning, if you just read the Bible, it's actually a lot clearer than you probably think. And so, what Mark is, is showing us here, and especially in, in this chapter, is that there are insiders and there are outsiders. There are insiders are people who understand who Jesus is, and then there are outsiders who either don't understand or don't want to understand. And so what we're going to see all the way through the Gospel of Mark is that the people who are the insiders, the people who you think get it, are not the people that you think should get it. And so if I were to say to you, insiders and outsiders religious people versus demons you would probably immediately think well the religious people are the insiders of course and the outsiders are the demons and mark says "Uh -uh." like it's the opposite way around whereas here you have here is jesus biological family his mother and his brothers and sisters and then you have these random people who have followed after him who's the insiders and who are the outsiders and you think well of course mary and his brothers and sisters are the insiders because they're his family And Jesus says, well, no, that's not the case. Because if you remember the last time, his family came and got him because they thought he was going crazy. And and they weren't really listening to him. They weren't really wanting to follow him. They were kind of like, you're going to get yourself in trouble here, son. Let us take you away from this. And and so Jesus is kind of pointing out to something that's not only relevant here, but, but in our world today. Because especially in Ireland, you know, if your mommy tells you to do something, you do it. You know, if your family are getting a bit annoyed with you, you better listen to your family because, you know, blood is thicker than water. But Jesus is kind of saying here, I have brothers and sisters and I have brothers and sisters. I have those who are insiders and those who are outsiders. And it's a bit of a standoff because, you know, they don't even go into the house to speak to him. They stand outside and say, tell Jesus his mom and his family are here and tell him to come out. And so Jesus has a, you know, you can imagine that, you know, if, if, if you and I were at a party and, and someone said, your mom and dad are outside, everybody knows what that means. You better come quick. You're in trouble. Now, I wouldn't recommend saying my mother and father are inside this party because you might get a clip around the ear. But anyway, you know, that's, that's the point that Jesus is making. You know, people are watching him to see, is he going to listen to his, his family here, his mother and his brothers and sisters? 
or is he going to continue to teach and to do ministry that he said that he has come for? And so Jesus makes a point here to say, like, this is about family, but my family are those who do the will of God. Uh, and what he means by that is I've, I've come as God to teach the truth of God. And if you listen to, if you obey, and if you do God's will, then you're part of God's family. Now, what he is kind of saying here is that for Mary and for his brothers and sisters, they may be his biological family, but unless they actually listen, hear, and do God's will, well, then they are acting in their own interests and not the purpose to which Jesus comes. Now, that was an absolute shock. It would have been incredibly controversial in that day. It would have been, it's incredibly controversial in our day. Uh, there are still some nations in the world that that say you were to become a Christian, that that families would disown you. You would your your family would you would lose your family. And some in some cultures, your family would actually have a funeral for you because they would say that you're 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 now dead to them because you've you've dishonored their family. And that would have been the same case in in this day. And so for Jesus to say that about his mother and his family, you know unless they do the will of God, then they're not my family. That, that's, a, that's a really shocking thing. And so Jesus is looking to all these people inside the house, in a sense, who are you know, weirdos and outcasts and a strangest group of people. And he say, you know, people may not like you. People may think you're outcast. People may think you're idiots and, and, and no one wants anything to do with you. But if you listen and obey me and do God's will, but then you're my family. And I think that that is an incredible statement to make, but it also shows the seriousness of, of what Jesus is teaching. You know, just knowing who I am is not enough. You know, you must listen, you must obey, and you must do the things that I'm saying as well. That answer your question? Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, do you have any idea how they reacted to him saying that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, we, we kind of, we don't necessarily get a, Mm. A, 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 an idea directly but for, for the most part we know that you know some of them followed after jesus from a compassionate point of view as in he was still their brother but we don't really get a sense that, that any of them truly followed jesus until after he he rose from the dead because there's nothing you know your brother can run around telling you that he's the son of god and you can go yeah that's right you've just got a wee bit above your station you've gone crazy but if if you watch your your son or your brother getting crucified and come back to life, that will maybe make you listen a little bit more. <laughs> and so after after the resurrection, we do know that that at least two of of Jesus' brothers, uh, one was called Judas uh, or Jude for short, and one who was called James, that they they actually followed Jesus and worshipped him as God. Now it would take an incredible amount for me to worship my brother as God. And so that, 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 that's how, you know, whenever we say, oh, we need evidence. If there was enough evidence for these two guys to worship their brother as God, something significant must have happened. And so we, we do learn that afterwards, once they realized that who Jesus was, that he wasn't just their big brother, but he was God himself, that they began following him and, and worshiping him. But, but before that, uh, there is this tension that, that they didn't really understand fully who he was. I think that's what Mark's trying to say. But Jesus' teaching on it is, is clear. You know, they still don't understand. If they truly understood who I was, then they would be inside the house following me. 
and not outside the house trying to grab me out of the place. Um, mm. and, and, and that's what Mark's showing us. Well, that's us for this week in Mark chapter three. Uh, I hope everything was was cleared up. Again, if you've been reading along with us and you have any questions, please do send them in. But uh, yeah, Jonas, uh, how did you find it? Um, it was I, I definitely learned a lot. Um, kind of some things I had no idea about before, and um, I can't can't wait. You, you kind of teasing me in for the the mid <laughs> mid plot of the story. <laughs> yeah. don't, don't don't actually know what that one is on like the very end of the story. Spoiler. That's what I know. Um, I know. Yeah. So so kind um kind of yeah. It's um it's getting a lot um easier to understand. The more you yeah. learn about it, is yeah. it's, it's a lot more kind of you won't have to keep going back to the same questions and. Yeah, it's can't, can't wait for next week now. Cool. So how long is next week's? Yeah, so so next week we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 4. According to the Bible app, it only takes 4 minutes and 56 seconds to read or to listen to it. And you can also get the Bible app uh, that it will read it out to you. Uh, or if you would like to own your own Bible and you would like to have it, I have some free copies still here that we can deliver to you uh, within lockdown in the Lockray area. As I said, no strings, free of charge. It's just if you want a hard copy of the Bible to join in and read along with us on the show. And if you are reading along, do send us a text in. And if you have any questions or indeed tell us how you're getting on. Uh, is it easy to understand? Uh, is Jonas making sense of everything? Am I confusing matters more than I should be? Uh, do let us know how you're finding the show and, and, and how, how you found it yourself. All right. I think that's, that's us for this week, Jonas. Yeah, I think, think it is. Um, yeah. geez, quite sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't worry, Jonas. We'll be back again next week. Yeah. Stay tuned uh, to Lockray Community Radio for some great shows coming up uh, that you can listen to all weekend long. But, but for now, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. God bless. I'll see you again next week. Bye. Bye.